episode 16 of The Build. Thanks for tuning back in. Every time I feel like I've done one of these, I was like, I feel like the number should be much higher than it is just because I feel like I've been doing it longer. But like, that's 16 weeks. I took, I think I took a break, so 17 weeks. Either way, 16 weeks is what? Four. No, that can't be right. Four months? Yeah, I guess that tracks. Wow, that's too long. I have to do this until they win a cup? Uh, I just realized how long that's going to be. Why did I sign up for this? Uh, I should have said it said it was going to be whenever Arturi Lycanin wins a cup. Because that could be within the next two weeks, which is very exciting. I told myself that if, if Lycanin wins with the abs, I'm going to buy myself a, a new Colorado Avalanche. Arturi Lycan in Jersey with the uh, Stanley Cup final patch on it. Um, but there's a long ways for that, as they have to go through Corey Perry and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, it's funny, like most years we don't we don't get a chalk final like this. And what I mean by that is like I think a lot of people would have predicted this final. Um, it didn't, you know, Tampa Bay didn't win their division. They weren't first in anything, really. Um, hell, I mean, against the Rangers in the last round, they didn't even have home ice. Didn't matter. They won in six games, but um, you know it. I think it. It's a final that a lot of people have expected over the last few years. I'm glad we're finally getting it. I wish Tampa Bay were healthier than they are. Um, they're real banged up. McDonough lot was was out for a lot of that last game, um, or I should say, a lot of the, the. I think that was game five. He took an injury and then and then he ended up coming back, but. Braden Point hasn't been healthy. And I mean, Colorado, too. They're without Nazem Kadri, who's been phenomenal this season. It's a shame that they won't, they might not have him. He might be back in time. I mean, they did sweep um, Edmonton and got some time off because the Lightning and the Rangers went six games. But we'll see. Um, I do, if I had to make a pick, I think Colorado takes it. They're just, I think they're healthier. They've sort of steamrolled everybody that's been in front of them. But I will say I'm not one of those guys that's rooting against the three-peat. I know that's a, a common refrain for the Canadians fan base right now because, you know, they don't, you know, even Nick Suzuki at, like, some charity thing recently said that he doesn't, he wants the abs to win for Lekkanen and just so Tampa Bay doesn't win another one or something along those lines. I don't, I don't feel that. I, I like rooting for that sort of, you know, generational greatness of a team. They'd be, I mean, they'd be the greatest team over the last 40 years if they won a third straight. Um, I can root for that, even if John Cooper makes it very, very difficult to do so, because I hate that guy. Just a very arrogant... I feel like a, a well-placed cone could have coached that team to at least one cup. Um, so, that's neither here nor there. I'll take the abs in six. Um, speaking of picks, since I just picked the avalanche... Uh, the draft is in Montreal next month, and nobody is going to be allowed to go because the tickets are went on sale, and then they very much did not go on sale for a lot of people. I, I honestly don't understand the. I didn't get a full grasp of what the of the process of procuring tickets to the NHL draft in Montreal in July, but it seems like people were put in a Ticketmaster queue, being told that they could buy them at the end of that queue, but then they got to the end and they were placed on a waiting list. Um. Draft tickets in big markets are always tough to come by, so Montreal's not an exception here, and it's the first in-person version of this event in two years. 
So, it, I mean, fans seem pretty disappointed by the ticket buying process. I don't blame them. The resale market is insane. The cheapest price that I saw on whatever, I think it was Vivid Seats. For two seats in the 400s, you're paying 195 US dollars for each. The market price was at $40 Canadian for each of those tickets. Um, so, I mean, it's it's insane what they're asking for these tickets. Again, I don't know if this is something I necessarily blame on anyone involved. It's just the way it is. It's a very popular event, now made even more popular by the home team picking first overall, and it's the first one that's happening with fans in the building in two years. Um, at one point, I joined the queue just to see what was what, was what and I was 3,173rd in line. So it's not, it was tough to get those tickets. If you're going, great, have fun. If you're not going, don't feel too bad. I've been to one before. It's a neat event. I'm sure there's, there's, you know, different stuff involved um, when you're, when you're there. Um, And and when your team is involved in such a high capacity, like Montreal was, I mean, when I went, they drafted, well, I think before they drafted ninth overall, they, Either if it was before or after that pick, they traded Lars Eller to Washington for two seconds, and they traded two seconds to Chicago for Andrew Shaw because Mark Bergevin had to Mark Bergevin. And then they they picked Mikhail Sergachev ninth overall and never really played him in the NHL because then they flipped him for Jonathan Drouin. So the draft is fun, though. If you're going, have a great time. I wasn't able to... Um, you know, secure that time off and, and get there for that. So that stinks, but it's just as fun on TV. Honestly, for, for someone like me who actually wants to learn about the prospects that are being picked, um, it's, I'd actually prefer watching it on TV, but for the event, for being at a thing, being there is not like much else. I think Steve Dangle says it's like the last day of school. And I, that, that analogy is stuck in my head because when you're there, you absolutely feel it. It makes a ton of sense. All right, but we'll have plenty of time to talk about the draft when it gets here. For now, um, I do want to talk about Mary-Philippe Poulain, who is a Montreal Canadian, and that still makes me insanely happy to say out loud. Um, First of all, we're going to have to get used to early press releases, and that might mean that by the time this episode is up, it may be out of date. By the time you listen to this on Tuesday morning, something may have happened that makes this obsolete. Um, Perhaps in the future, I'll release shorter episodes after stuff happens um but for now this is the route we're going if something's wrong if something happens it's just gonna have to wait till the next week um for those unfamiliar with mary philippe play and i don't know if you watch hockey how that could happen uh here's the resume three olympic gold medals 2010 2014 2022 one olympic silver 2018 the first player of any gender to score a goal in four consecutive Olympic gold medal games, two world championship golds, 2012 and 2021. She had the overtime winner in the gold medal game in 2021 that she was the only person on the ice who thought it went in. And then the buzzer went later on the, the horn of doom, as they like to say. Um, and she had scored the game winner in there. Uh, six world championship silvers in 2009 2011, 2013, 2015, 2016, 2017, one world championship bronze in 2019, two silvers at the U18s in 2008 and 9, uh, and she won the 2021 Hockey Canada Isabel Gathorn Hardy Award, 
And in senior international play, she has 41 goals, 49 assists for 90 points in 66 games. And she has 184 points in 93 uh, CWHL games, 87 goals, 97 assists. <sighs> that is an exhaustive resume for a ho- for any hockey player. Um, the amount of hardware that she has is baffling. And she's not even done yet. We know from the press release and from talking, from listening to her speak um, after her hiring. We know she's not done playing hockey, which is good because I'll be selfish. Most of this is going to be rather selfish, actually. I love watching her play hockey. She is uh, just one of the most electric players I've ever seen. Um, but she'll also have something to do on the side because on June uh, June 7th, also known as the day after episode 15 of The Build was recorded, the Canadians announced that uh, uh, Poulain will be joining the team as a player development consultant while continuing to pursue her playing career. Um, Poulain pointed out in some press hits after the announcement, and I think in that press conference, I can't remember, it was very long and it, half of it's in French and I don't speak the language well. Um, she, announced, she said that she'll be working with the prospects. Um, and again, all of this is just part-time as she's not done winning gold medals yet. Naturally, the response to this was fantastic. I think that, you know, this was something that is a, a an unquestionable win for the organization. Um, for starters, Jeff Molson has talked about wanting to bring diversity to the front office, to the hockey operations portion of the front office of the Montreal Canadiens, not the business side, the hockey side. And while this does that, and congratulating Poulain on that accomplishment is well-deserved. And breaking that barrier is something that is special within this organization to consider how long they've been around. The fact that, you know, they, they're not, there are not a lot of women working in the hockey operations department is something that needed to be overcome. And Poulain did that. With that said, in my mind, the main benefactor of this hiring is not Mary-Philippe Poulain. Honestly, I'd like to think that any team would have done what the Montreal Canadiens did by hiring one of the greatest hockey players to have ever lived. Because that's what they did. But, you know, I think that... I'll just... From from watching that press conference, seeing her sit there in that press room that we've seen so many Montreal Canadiens go in and out of, you know, the, the Canadiens... The, the, the backdrop with their sponsors, but also the Canadians logo sitting beside the owner. And she had a sweatshirt on that had the Canadians logo on it. Like to me, like I just, I kept thinking about that crest, that logo. And, you know, while it might be a great thing for her, you know, to have overcome a barrier, I'm a white dude. I can't speak to that. I can't be like, man, what a great day for you. Cause that sounds rather patronizing, doesn't it? continuing with the tone of being selfish, I looked at that as this is a great day for that logo. This is a phenomenal achievement for, not achievement, that's the wrong word. It's a phenomenal, it's just a a great day for that, for the CH. And it's, while it's great for women and, and young girls in this game 
to see her in that spot. And it will undoubtedly come with, um, you know, people who want to follow in her footsteps and who see this path as, as actual, as something that they can do. That will serve, you know, communities for years to come. I'm very cognizant of that. However, her, her status as a legend of the sport is already cemented. There were already little girls wanting to grow up to be Marie-Philippe Poulain. So, you know, it, the Canadians are not amplifying Marie-Philippe Poulain. I believe it's the opposite. I kind of think that this organization for such a long time has not hired extraordinary people, has not hired the best. They, you know, the way that we talk about this team and the way that this team is foisted on us as a as a cultural icon, they, you know, the Canadians themselves have not upheld their end of that bargain. You know, we're supposed to wear that sweater, that logo with pride, knowing that that team is doing everything in their power to put a winner out there. And for, I don't know, the majority of my life, that has not been, that has not been true. So to see that logo on her chest, I think, means a lot more than just, you know, the Canadians hired a woman. They didn't just hire a woman. They hired one of the greatest hockey players to have ever lived. And from what I understand, it it took some convincing. <laughs> like, you know, there have been rumors that Kent Hughes and Jeff and Jeff Gordon have been going after her for some time. They've wanted her to come in. Molson said it was all their idea. Um, so, you know, the fact that they looked at it and they, they wanted their guy and they got their guy in Mary Philippe playing, I think speaks to a, a lot to the, you know, the work that Hughes and Gorton are doing and will continue to do in bringing in the best people into this organization. And the reason I'm so giddy about, you know, the idea of extraordinary people is that it, I think it matters a great deal to the, the young people coming into this organization. So, I mean, she's going to work with the prospects, right? So the prospects are going to work with one of the greatest athletes to ever play the sport. It's not a big deal. It's just Mary Philippe playing things. They'll, they'll, you know, she said she's going to give them some drills, some stuff to work on. You know, some of the prospects who are here for the prospect camp in the summer, I'm sure she'll work with them. Then they'll go back to their junior teams. Maybe some will stick around in the Habs development program and, you know, work, maybe working at getting a roster spot in the fall. But they'll come back for camp, maybe get some short preseason games. And now you've got Marty St. Louis running drills, you know, and behind the bench for games too. And he's a Hockey Hall of Famer and a Stanley Cup champion. The Canadians should not send prospects through their system, should not send players through their development system without extraordinary people along the way helping them. Why? Because these are the Montreal Canadians and they can do that. And you can do that without being the Edmonton Oilers who just acted as a country club for their old their old players. You can do that by bringing in greatness who didn't even play for the Montreal Canadiens. Vinny LeCavalier is in, is in some kind of administrative role with the Montreal Canadiens. That's, he, he, he's won a Stanley Cup. He's got gold medals. He knows what he's talking about. So does Mary Philippe Play. The Canadiens... 
are a team that is not bound by just the salary cap. The salary cap is for players. But for a team that is as financially powerful as the Canadians and as culturally significant, it should be it should be unquestionable that they have the greatest people in charge of their organization. The fact of it is is that's not how this team was run for a long time. It was just dudes bringing in friends to help run the Canadians like the like you know like they used to run them back in the day. I'm I'm cautiously every day I'm becoming more and more optimistic that we're leaving those days in the past. Um so that she's going to keep playing for a few years. Um, I, I think she has her sights set at least on one more Olympic gold medal where she will probably score a goal in the gold medal game because that's what Mary Philippe Pelain does. I'm sure she'll have a hand in the new uh, PWHPA league that should be kicking up sometime um, in the near future if reports to Jeff Merrick are to be believed. And then, you know, I feel like when she's done, there there's probably a, a permanent position available for her in Montreal. That's just me guessing. But um, it, it's truly an exceptional when she was hired. It was an exceptional day for that logo. And hopefully there are more to come. So, you know, just I can't I can't say enough about how much this should mean to to us as fans, because it, it does mean a great deal. All right, moving on. And apologies if you hear something, some stuff in the background. Kristen's working out in the, the living room, and her, 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 her VR headset might be a bit loud. We have an Oculus, and you know. Anyway, I don't need to get into that. Um, <laughs> some 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 more hits in Habs news, um, came over the last week. First, when the Edmonton Oilers season ended, um, after they were swept by the Avalanche in the Western Conference Final, Brett Kulak was speaking with Jonathan Bernier of. Jonathan uh, de Montreal translated. He says, "Quote: There is definitely a chance that I will see be seen in Montreal again." Um, which is, I mean, great. I would I would love to have Brett Kulak back if the the price is right on him. He was making about one. I think he was making one point eight five million for each of the last three seasons. Um, which I ta- we spoke I spoke about this with Scott Matlon, Locked On Canadians. And if you even heard that, congrats because not a lot of people. Uh, sat through it because my microphone sounded terrible, which was my fault, and I have apologized profusely to the Lockdown Canadians team, and it will not happen again. But anyway, um, you have to think that, that Kulak's probably getting a bit of a raise on his next deal. I mean, anywhere from like two and a quarter to two and a half, and I'd probably be happy to have him back. He might command more than that, but I think more than anything, he's probably looking for some term. He got three years on the last one, maybe three years, two and a half million gets it done for him to come back to Montreal for a little bit. Um, but, you know, he's a solid defenseman you can lean on when you can't lean on the young guys. I know that St. Louis wants to do that. He wants to, you know, use Barron and Harris in key situations. But, you know, you, you're not going to be able to play them all the time. You're going to need guys that can can shoulder some of that burden when those when the young guys need to take a step back um and overall it's just really nice to see a guy um like Kulak who liked playing here so much that even after he's traded he wants to come back um and then it'll seem like we got a second round pick for nothing which would be pretty cool and then we could also laugh at the Oilers like we um like we all like to do um 
Luke Richardson, this was a, a pretty surprising one. So Luke, Luke Richardson is apparently under consideration for um, the head coaching vacancy in Chicago. The Canadians have uh, basically allowed the Chicago Blackhawks permission. Um, and, a ba- and from what I understand, I think it was in Eric Engel's tweet, he said that the Canadians won't stand in the way of Richardson pursuing a head coaching gig somewhere. So that's that's good news for him. Um, and also it just shows the Canadians aren't going to keep an assistant coach in an, in an assistant coaching role if he can get a head coaching gig somewhere else. Um, if he stays in Montreal, I think that's fine. He's a calming influence. I think guys love playing for him. That that was key when Ducharme went out in the Vegas series. Um, they won every game that, that Ducharme wasn't around for. And I don't think Richardson changed too much um, behind the bench. Um, and, you know, if he does stay, maybe we can see him evolve a little bit under St. Louis so that, he, you know, maybe he's he can work with the younger defensemen to help suit their play styles instead of having them all play this archaic, um, you know, just cross-check guys in front of the net style. Um, if Richardson does go to Chicago, if they do offer him that job and he takes it, great. You know, we'll get to see a new coach for the defensive pairs, which I think is, you know, a, a welcome change and also a really likable guy gets a shot at a head coaching gig from all I've understood about Luke Richardson. He's very likable. Um, he's, uh, uh, you know, guys like playing for him. He seems very, very down to earth. Um, I, I, I understand the interest from Chicago. Like I get the interest. He's quiet. He'll be an off the board, quiet hire. He'll help stabilize things on the ice while they undergo their own rebuild. And I think Chicago needs to start putting good people in charge of things around there, which would make a lot of sense for it to be Luke Richardson. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I don't think it's the last time we'll hear his name brought up, though, um, unless he does get hired there, in which case, good for him. All right, I think I got one more thing here that's actually kind of two more things. So there's been a lot of... uh, a lot of chatter this week about um, a Montreal Canadiens player who was not traded and I don't think will be traded, but people are asking about his name in trade circles. And that guy is Josh Anderson. Um, this appeared on my timeline, a question from cheering the logo in response to a Pierre LeBrun tweet. He says, Pierre, I know that you didn't, you don't answer a lot of fans questions directly, but what do you think an offer uh, would be for the Habs to even consider trading Josh Anderson. Um, Pierre responded, which I rarely see. I, you don't really see LeBron respond to tweets, but he says it would have to be real significant. Habs turned down some serious offers for Anderson before the March 21st deadline. My sense is Kent Hughes never mentions his name to GM counterparts, but they keep asking about him. Habs aren't planning on moving him, but never say never. This seems to be you know, in line with Kent Hughes's response to just about every player on the roster, everybody that can be traded. I'm not go I'm not going to shop him, but you can continue to make offers for him and I will listen. Um so I mean let's walk through this. Josh Anderson is going to make five and a half million dollars every year for five more years. He'll be thirty three when it ex- when his contract expires. This is about where his prime is going to start closing, um, right right where he is now. 
Like over the next few years, he will be out of his prime. He's 28 currently. That's not to say he's going to be entirely useless, but I think there's a real chance that years six and seven of that contract really hurt this team. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that Anderson plays a game that I think requires like a, over 100% effort in order for him to be effective. Like when he has a slight injury, it's noticeable because he can't go 100%. Um, you know, 100% for him is his straight line speed is off the charts. He's just flying down north-south. He's getting to the front of the net. He's shooting the puck. Um, he's he's smashing guys into the boards. Like that's that's prototypical Josh Anderson hockey. But like, if you're the general manager of a rebuilding team, I think you have to wonder. You know, does this player's prime, does this player's you know his window of ability, does it match up with the team's ability or a team's cup window? Um, with them picking first this year and probably another top 10 pick next year, I, I think you have to wonder, like, does that window open up in like three or four years for the Canadians where that's where they should be trying to win a Stanley Cup? And if that's the case, if three or four years from now, that's when you're trying to win a Stanley Cup, is Anderson going to be around and effective in those years? Again, that's that's right around year six and seven of that deal where I think things are going to go off the board. Does Kent Hughes think that? Does does Jeff Gorton think that? We don't know that. It seems like they really like him. They really want to keep him. I also wonder if they're just holding their cards hold to their, you know, close to their chest because they know they have a player that so many teams in this league would kill for um, in Josh Anderson. He does, he you know, that the way he plays in that, player build in his size you don't find that everywhere so with LeBron saying that people are asking about him I don't think the Canadians would have a hard time finding a suitor if they wanted to deal him um, and one of the one team that I think would have significant interest in Josh Anderson this is not insider information this is just me thinking out loud and maybe some recency bias involved in there but I think the New York Rangers would be particularly interested in Anderson um, they spent their last offseason getting tougher um, I think they still probably want to add up front. I saw a tweet, I think it was Adam Gretz, who said, you know, it's a, the, the, the Rangers' entire philosophy for 20 years has been, we have the best goalie, and we're just going to pray that that's enough to beat you. Um, if you're, and if you're the Canadians dealing with the Rangers right now, comes with a level of of some kind of advantage since Gordon built most of that team and he knows a lot of the players and prospects in that system. Um, one name out there for the Rangers that I think we're going to that it's going to get rather loud this summer unless he signs a contract extension and and you know quells that um, is Capo Caco. Um, he was scratched in game six of the conference final. Apparently he was not told about the scratch. He just walked into the the, the pregame into the locker room, saw that his name wasn't on the board, and that was that. Gallant didn't speak to him, um, which sounds familiar. It sounds like the way that Montreal treated Kotkaniemi at the end of his time in Montreal. Um, and it comes at a very awkward time for this organi- for the Rangers and for Kako because Kako is an RFA. He's 21 years old. He plays the wing, shoots left. Um, I wonder if there's something there between the Canadians and the Rangers that revol- revolves around... Anderson and Kako, it's not one for one. But 
you know, maybe that's something that the, the, the both of these teams can work on. Um, I it, The other reason I think targeting a team like the Rangers right now is especially prudent is that when, when any kind of team, you know, gets that close to a Stanley Cup final or they just go on any kind of run, I they might be kind of vulnerable right now in thinking that they might be like, they might think they're a piece away from being a Stanley cup finalist or Stanley cup winner. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you catch them when they're in that sort of vulnerability and you get them to take a big swing on a guy that, you know, Josh Anderson's window of availability matches. I think what the Rangers are trying to do, um, it, it would make sense on paper. Of course, nothing is done on paper. But Capo Caco is going to be my new off-season finish obsession. For those who follow me on Twitter, you know that for years I have wanted Patrick Laine in Montreal. I do not see that happening. I believe they, they probably work out a contract there. I wonder if there's a... I think they're both RFAs. I wonder if there's a, a trade to be made there between Laine, Laine going to the Rangers in exchange for Caco. And some other parts involved there as well. That could get interesting. There's going to be teams lining up for Capo Caco. And I wonder if the Rangers are going to either, you know, hold them, sign them for a year bridge contract, see if, if they can mend that that bridge, um, sign them long term, make a smart trade and get something in return, or make a deal like just trading them straight up for a player like Josh Anderson and saying, look, we got this guy who can score 25 goals and he's big and tough and fast. So it's fine that Kako's not here. It'll be interesting. And I hope the Canadians are are wise in those trade markets. It'll be really interesting to see how Kent Hughes navigates that headed into his first full summer as general manager. All right, that's all I got this week. Um, lots to talk about, but it was um, we got through it quick. Um, two weeks from now, the season will be completely over. And hopefully we'll start to see some action around the league as we head into the draft and free agency and buyouts and things like that. Um, until then, you can follow me on Twitter at maybe it's Ian at Rabbit House of the Blog. Um, thanks for listening. The music you heard at the beginning of the show and are hearing right now is a track called Inside by Fred Mug. Check the description for a link to his Bandcamp page to check out the rest of his stuff. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your week. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.